hazelnuts, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Hayes. It's me you're saying hello to. This week's episode is all about jealousy. Uh, it's about jealousy, but it's also about this thing called envy. And up until this week, I was using those two words in the exact same way. I was using them as synonyms, but they're not. They're not. And if you know me, I'm kind of obsessed with words. And the reason for that is that I, I have found a lot of comfort and understanding in life in making sure that I'm using the right words to describe what I feel. The past couple of weeks have been just a challenging few weeks for me. We're not going to dive too much into that, but they've just been, I've been feeling overwhelmed by life as one does. And in my sort of desperate search to find things that inspire me, maybe some of you can relate to that. Like when you're having a tough time, you sort of, I'm just like, I am open to the universe. I am open to whatever it is is going to provide me comfort. And I found myself looking at Brene Brown stuff. Like I think I was Googling like Brene Brown inspiration. I don't know how it came up. But what I found was Brene Brown, the difference between jealousy and envy. I was sort of blown away by this difference. So she says that envy occurs when we want something that another person has. Jealousy, however, is when we fear losing a relationship or a valued part of a relationship that we already have. So envy typically involves two people. I see someone and they have something that I want, whether it's beauty or money or success. I look at them and I'm envious of something that they have because I want it for myself. Often I think that that thing will make me happy and I'm saying me here, but I think that's all of us. Jealousy, however, typically involves three people and occurs when one person fears losing another person to a third. Now, why does this matter for this conversation? Well, as we do here in Hello Hayes, we're talking about our relationships with ourselves and with each other. In reading the letters that I selected today and in reading many of the letters that are in my inbox about this topic of jealousy, I noticed that sometimes the better word is actually envy. I think that knowing the difference in between jealousy and envy, I think that that's the first step towards processing the emotion and then figuring out what to do about it. And as you know, Hazelnuts, uh, sometimes when we feel something very intense, we do nothing. Sometimes the answer is to do nothing. And in today's letters, we hear from three different writers, three different hazelnuts who are jealous, who are envious, and all of their stories require different action items and different um, different steps to process. So we're gonna we're gonna go through all of them. In letter one, we hear from Third Wheel, who has some concerns about her husband's flirtatious friendship with one of her college friends. In letter two, we hear from Aching Auntie, who notices that she's being judgmental and jealous towards her pregnant sister-in-law, even though she herself doesn't want to have a baby yet. And in letter three, resentful roommate. This one has a friend, also her roommate, who's always been the pretty one of the group, quotes the pretty one. Now that friend has what seems like a perfect boyfriend, and our letter writer just can't feel happy for her. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, Hayes. I want to ask you about an issue that I'm too afraid to bring up with my friends and family out of fear of sounding insecure. Recently, my husband and my friend from college have become pretty close friends. She moved here a few years ago, and we share a large friend group in town, but the three of us would often hang out together when she first moved. However, in the last 18 months, she and I have become less chummy. There hasn't been any drama or even an argument. We just have different personalities and interests. In this time, though, she and my husband have become a lot closer. Even though their friendship doesn't predate her moving to our town, they do have a lot in common. They read the same kinds of books, play the same types of board games, they have similar backgrounds. At first, I was happy they were becoming closer because they're both wonderful people. But more recently, there's been an uptick in what I would consider harmless flirting. She'll laugh too hard at his jokes and give him playful nudges. He'll give her excessive encouragement at our volleyball game. She talks about how their star signs are compatible. He talks about how she's a catch. 
I admit that I've been embarrassed by this a few times, but I've never said anything because I've always considered their friendship to be unthreatening. I love them both, and I know they would never do anything to hurt me. Plus, despite their commonalities, they wouldn't make a good couple. The other day, however, he did something that kind of irked me. A book series they both enjoy released a new novel, and he skipped work to get two copies of the book, one for him and one for her. He gave it to her as a Christmas present. This embarrassed me because he famously doesn't get Christmas gifts for anyone, not even for me. I don't want either of them to think I'm insecure, nor do I want to implant the idea that their friendship may be insidious. I also don't want to give my friend the satisfaction of thinking I'm jealous of her. How do I tell my husband that I support their friendship, but the way he acts with my friend in front of other people can be pretty embarrassing, and it hurts my feelings that he was so quick to get her a Christmas present while I won't be getting one. Yours, Third Wheel. Mm. Hello, Third Wheel. First of all, you don't, you don't sound insecure at all to me. You sound measured and generous and uncomfortable, and I worry, Third Wheel, about how long you've let these feelings go unmentioned. 18 months. <coughs> Jeez. My voice just broke at saying 18 months. 18 months, a year and a half. That's how long it's been since you and your college friend have not been so chummy. And in that same time, she and your husband have become closer, which alone could be fine. You know, I'm not a detective. I'm not, the purpose of this letter and us writing to each other today is not to analyze what that means. What's most important to me is that during that time, during those 18 months of change, their behavior has made you uncomfortable and you didn't mention it to your husband. That, that's concerning to me. And that's what we need to address. The fact that you've just been sitting with these feelings is what makes me think that you do not lean towards jealous or controlling, but more potentially towards avoidant or scared of confrontation, wanting everyone to be happy. I get that inclination, but my love, part of being in a marriage means addressing when something isn't working. It's also about trust, yes, and trusting your partner to have friends of the opposite gender or the gender that they're attracted to or friends that you don't know about. But trust is not blind. Trust is not something that you just automatically get when you sign a piece of paper and agree to be married to someone and they never have to work for again. Trust is repeatedly earned, I think, over years. And trust can very easily be broken with inconsiderate behavior. Trust is not just broken when someone breaks a vow. Trust can be broken. Trust can be broken when feelings get swept under the rug. You gotta speak up about this discomfort that you're feeling. Because I, by letting this go on for this long, I imagine your trust that you feel in your marriage has been dwindling. And I would spend more time talking about the trust in your friendship. But I also have a suspicion that you don't think that this woman is your friend anymore. It's the way that you said, I don't wanna give her the satisfaction of thinking that I'm jealous. That's not something we really say about someone we regard as a genuine friend. We're not worried about someone being satisfied by our jealousy or our envy. Those feelings I think are specific to someone that we feel does not have our best interests in heart. And if that, the fact that you wrote that in your letter, I don't wanna give her the satisfaction. I think those are your instincts speaking to you, telling you that something isn't right here. And my love, I want you to say something because you don't need to settle for feeling embarrassed by your husband's behavior with your friend. You don't need to endure that feeling of embarrassment that they're flirting and other people are noticing. Even if other people weren't noticing, you don't need to endure that. And I, again, I don't know what's going on. I don't wanna make assumptions. I also don't know what the solution will or should be. <laughs> but I do know that you should not keep your discomfort in your marriage a secret for any longer. For circle back for one more second on the, I don't wanna give her the satisfaction of thinking that I'm jealous. Are you jealous by the way? 
Are you jealous? Let's go back to that definition of jealous and envy. Jealousy is when we worry. It's typically between three people, and it's when we worry that something or someone is going to threaten the relationship we have with one other, with our, with one person. Do you feel jealous? Let's go there together now because it's safe to do it here. It's safe to say how we feel in this setting. If you're listening to this and it's making you think of something else in your life, it's okay to say, you know what? I am jealous. Honesty with ourselves about what we feel is the first step towards getting to the other side, being able to decide what to do about it. And you are very honest in your letter, third wheel. You're very honest with your letter about a lot of things, but I do think it's lacking some honesty here because honesty is very scary. It's very scary to be honest with ourselves about the stuff we fear because I think sometimes we think that if we say the thing we're scared of, if we say the thing we're jealous of, it will somehow make it more true. But whatever is true has already happened. Whatever is true is already there. And you admitting it to yourself, what you're scared of, that that's not that's mag it's magical thinking to think that you saying it out loud is somehow going to make something new exist. It already exists. If the thing you're scared of is already happening, you saying you're scared of it isn't going to make a difference, but it will make a difference for how you feel and how you're able to move forward. In your letter, my love, I hear you doing a lot of trying to convince yourself that everything is okay. I know they wouldn't do anything to hurt me. I've always considered their friendship to be unthreatening. They wouldn't make a good couple. They wouldn't make a good couple. Who the fuck cares? Who, who cares that they wouldn't make a good enough couple? Who cares if they wouldn't make a good couple? That is not, that is not a comforting, you deserve more comfort than that. You might believe those things. Those things might have been comforting you over the last 18 months. But that's not, you didn't write me this letter for me to confirm for you how you've been comforting yourself. You didn't write me this letter so I could say, well, yeah, if they wouldn't make a good couple, then you've got nothing to worry about. Why did you send me this letter? I think about that sometimes when I read your stuff, my friends. Why did you send me this letter? I forget. <laughs> it's always good to remember that it's a real person sitting on the other side of their computer writing to me. I wish I could just reach out and touch you. I wish I could reach out and touch you. Is that weird to say? I think you sent me this letter because you're scared and confused uh, and maybe because you feel alone. Maybe you're scared that other people will judge you or shame you for whatever is happening or for having doubts or for waiting this long to say something. Uh, maybe you'd maybe you'd hoped I'd say that I think you're imagining things and that you're just being that you're just being jealous and insecure. Or maybe you needed someone you trust to tell you that you're not, that you should trust your gut. And I think you trust your gut here. I definitely encourage you to speak with your husband, third wheel, but I don't think that you need to say that you support their friendship. You don't need to say that just so that you seem easygoing and you don't seem accusatory. Because do you support their friendship? Do you support their friendship? Or do you support the idea of your husband having female friends? That's a different thing. You can support the idea of your husband having female friends. However, you don't need to support the way he's making you feel with this one or the way he's behaving with this one. You know your relationship best. No one else is in your relationship but you and him. And if something feels wrong to you, you deserve to figure out how to, you deserve to have a conversation with him about what's going on and how to handle it. I think you just, I think you just have to say it. It can be really scary when you've been holding something in for so long, but I think that you have to just say it. I think you say, I want to talk with you about your relationship with whatever her name is. It makes me uncomfortable. It's been making me uncomfortable for months, actually. But what tipped me over the edge was the Christmas gift. You've never gotten me a Christmas gift, which I didn't think mattered. <laughs> I didn't think that mattered. I, I appreciate, I love that about you. I love all of the things about you. 
but I thought it was something about you. Meanwhile, you've been spending a lot of time with her, and then you got her a gift, and it really, it hurt my feelings, and it's made me uncomfortable, and I want to, I want to understand what's going on and see what he says. It could be a big misunderstanding, but I think what you're looking for is you're want, you're looking, you're looking for him to take what you're saying seriously. I don't know what the truth is here. You're the only one who's going to be able to figure out the truth. And I think sort of no matter what he says, the truth, a truth is that you're not happy with what's going on. You're not happy with how you feel. That is true. And that that's enough. I guess that's what I want to say. Your truth is enough. Your truth being that you're uncomfortable with this. And I can't tell you what to do with that. But trust your truth enough, third wheel. Please keep me posted. You can do this. Don't be ashamed. Hello, Hayes. I feel a bit of embarrassment and shame writing this letter to you because I know there's something so selfish about these feelings of jealousy I can't control, but I guess that's why I'm hoping to process them with your help. I'm in my mid-20s and I just got married two months ago. My husband and I eventually want to have kids, but we want to feel more stable, traveled, and overall more adult before we take the leap into parenthood. However, my husband's younger sister recently announced her pregnancy. She's my age and has been married for a couple of years already, and when they announced they were pregnant, I was hit with two conflicting feelings. One, that I absolutely would not be ready to be in her shoes right now, and two, that I really wanted to be. At first, that feeling manifested as judgment. I felt like they weren't ready for the step. They're too young, too broke, too early in their relationship to do this. But deep down, I know I wouldn't feel or say that about a different couple. This is just plain old jealousy. Maybe it's that the attention of my in-laws is now shifting from our wedding to their pregnancy, which it naturally and rightfully should. I hold such an attachment to my in-laws that maybe I want them to focus on me becoming a part of their family for just a little bit longer. Maybe I just have baby fever because my own brothers are also having babies now. Or maybe I feel a void after my wedding and I'm ready for a new project. Regardless of my reason for these feelings, I feel so guilty for feeling them. I wish I could let it go and just be happy for my sister-in-law and her husband without thinking about myself or comparing our marriages. I want to be at peace with the choice I made to wait. How do I manage these irrational feelings of jealousy, grow up, and show up for my sister-in-law? No strings attached. Yours, aching auntie. <sighs> okay. I got married, Brian and I got married in September 2020, which was the thick of COVID, right? When everyone's events were still getting canceled or postponed. And maybe it was April, April or May, Brian and I had to decide what we wanted to do about our wedding. And we decided instead of postponing it, having a party later, we wanted to get married on the day we always planned to. And we wanted to do whatever we could on that day, even if it meant that none of our friends could be there, even if it meant we weren't going to have a big wedding party. And that's what it eventually meant. Uh, we got married September 12th, and there were about 18 people there. And it ended up being truly the perfect thing for us. That experience taught me a lot. That informs the way I talk about weddings. It's fueled, it's fueled my belief that a day is just a day in really powerful ways that I think have had a really positive impact on my life and I hope positively impact others. I feel good about it is what I'm trying to say. And whenever I go to other people's weddings and we're watching the bride walk down the aisle or we watch the, our friends exchange their vows if that's something they do in public and I look around and I see my other friends looking up at the couple with awe in their eyes, people crying, getting to celebrate, getting to celebrate the love of someone else they love. 
I still have a moment where I'm like, ah, fuck, this would have been really nice. (laughs) I want this. I want this. I'm sad I didn't get this. I can feel that. The moment always passes, I'll say. The moment always passes. And uh, typically later on in the night, I have something else that occurs where I'm like, and this is why I'm glad that we did it our way. I say that, I share this story because you can not be ready to have a baby. You can feel good about that decision, confident in your decision, and you can still feel envious when somebody in your life is going through it and they get to have the joy of it. There's a reason that like therapists always say that two things can be true at once. Have you seen any of those? I feel like there's some funny memes or TikToks about things therapists say. And it's true. Those two feelings can exist at once. So I want the first thing aching auntie is I want to see you be a little more kind to yourself about this. You have not done anything wrong. You say you want to put these feelings aside and grow up as if growing up is the thing that makes us have less intense, less contradictory feelings, but it's not. We don't get rid of our contradictions as we grow up. I think the subject matter just changes. To have contradicting feelings is to be human. And I personally, I think that the most wonderful humans are the ones who are able to see the contradictions in themselves. That's called self-awareness. Have you ever talked to somebody who lacks self-awareness? Typically, they're the ones who don't see their own contradictions. Contradictions are what make us beautiful. You can feel two things at once, aching auntie. You can be confident that you're not ready for a baby and that you want to experience life with your husband and grow first. And you can feel envious when your sister-in-law is having her moment. You can still be a beautiful, thoughtful person, even if you have ugly, judgmental thoughts sometimes. And I don't even think that the thoughts you shared are so bad. I'm just, I'm just saying that in case there are other thoughts that you kept in the back of your mind that you didn't say to me today, or maybe you haven't said to anybody else, those thoughts that they come and you're like, did I actually just think that? (laughs) You did. The insides of our minds can be a really scary place. But remember, our character is not judged by what we feel, but what we do. These gut reactions you have, they are normal and we cannot control them. We all have them. We all have gut reactions, gut judgments. Hopefully when we have those gut reactions, we have them in private or we have them We process them with a person who feels like private. So I am a person, this relationship that we have together, hazelnuts and haze, I am a person that's like private. Processing with me, writing to me is like processing in private. Processing with your husband, I think is akin to processing in private. Processing with a dear friend who's not involved in the situation, that's like processing in private. That's always a great thing to do when we have big emotions about something that's happening between us and somebody else. We all need people outside of our own bodies to process life's shit with. We all need people to share our shameful, judgmental thoughts with. Um, It could also be a therapist. It could also be a therapist. I should throw that in there. Therapy is good. Therapy is good. So we've established now that your feelings are okay, but I do think it's a valuable next step to try to understand where these feelings are coming from, which you did a little bit of in your letter. I think it's really interesting what you said about your in-laws. You said that you hold an attachment to them and you want them to focus on your addition to the family for a little while longer. Some reflection questions on that. What What's your relationship like with them? How have they welcomed you into their family? What's your relationship with your own parents like? To go back to the jealousy versus envy thing, remember, jealousy is when you're fearful that your relationship is being threatened. It's typically between three people. So in this story, it could be you, your sister-in-law, and your in-laws. We can bucket your in-laws as one. When you unpack those reflection questions and your feelings here, could that be part of what's driving your feelings? Are you 
are you somehow worried that by shifting the attention onto your sister-in-law, your in-laws are going to stop caring about you? They're going to be mean to you, or what? What is that? What is it bringing up for you? Because I think that, I think that recognizing that could help you figure out what your solution is. You might be wondering, like, okay, hey, I ask those reflection questions, and then what? I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, sometimes just figuring out why I feel something, that feels like the last step for me. Like, that's enough. Let's say you ask yourself these questions and you're like, you know what, Hayes? I think you unlocked something. I think you unlocked something. What's happening for me is that me and my sister had a very competitive relationship and my parents always chose my sister over me. And I always felt like I needed to be one-upping my sister. And now that my sister-in-law is pregnant and my in-laws, you know, they're, they're wonderful to me, but I've always felt like I needed to compete for their love. And now it's triggering those feelings from childhood. <laughs> I don't know if that's your story, but if that were me, that would be comforting enough. Understanding myself and why I feel the way I feel, that gives me so much comfort in life. And I suppose if you listen to Hello Haze and you find value here, I imagine that that helps you too, that you're a person where information, understanding of self helps get through the tough stuff. Another thing that was interesting to me in your letter is the void after wedding planning. That was very interesting to me. I think a lot of brides feel this way. And I think that void is real. And it's a very smart thing to be aware of before you begin the wedding planning journey. If you listen to any of my mini advice columns on TikTok about weddings, I do always try to infuse the a day is just a day ethos. I think it's so important to go into weddings remembering that. But if you don't, if you if you go into your wedding thinking that this was the most important day, this is the most special day, I'm never gonna be this loved and beautiful and special on any other day. So this one better be fucking perfect and everybody in my life better show up for me in the exact way that I want them to. And then it happens that it's wonderful and it's amazing, or even if it's not, there's bound to be a come down period after you've had that day that you've built up in your mind for so long as the best day ever. There's bound to be a come down period. And I'm curious, did you feel any of that on your wedding? Like this is the most important day of my life. And I want to distinguish between this is the most important day of my life so far because it's the day that I'm marrying my partner. And this is the most important day of my life because it's the one day where it's all about me and everyone is showing me exactly how much they care about me and I feel so loved right now and feeling loved is addicting. Being celebrated like that is addicting. I'm getting so amped up that my camera and computer are shaking because I'm moving around so much. I think that a lot of people feel that second one. It's the most important day of my life, (laughs) not because it's the day that marks the beginning of my life with my partner, but because... It's the day that everyone showed me how much they love me. The second one, that's the trap. That's the trap. And if you felt any of this, it would make sense to me that you're ready for the next moment in your life that feels similar to that, which I think for a lot of people is having a baby. Maybe you've placed some of your self-worth in how other people are celebrating you. I know a thing or two about that. When we only find our worth in the moments when we're being celebrated, we, we, miss, we miss the whole thing, love. We miss the whole thing. We miss the whole life. We miss all of the joy in the smaller moments. And that's really something I'm trying to focus on. I'm trying to find joy in the moments before the big triumphs. I'm trying to find joy in the smaller moments when no one is applauding me. (laughs) But I'm applauding me because that's where life actually happens. That's where you're going to spend most of your days. That's what this is really about, right? We, we feel most loved and euphoric when people are celebrating us. 
And if you're on the, you know, work, get married, have children, work, die train that so many of us are on, we were trained to get all of our happiness from what we achieve, from what we gather. And it's really hard to get off that train. Being on it can make you desperate for the next thing, the next hit. I wonder if you want to have a baby because you want to feel that surge again. And realizing that, if that feels true for you, might help you feel less angry with yourself because it's just about the most human, real feeling you could have. Next time you're questioning the baby thing, you're feeling jealous or envious about your sister-in-law being pregnant and you don't want to be pregnant, but you also kind of do, ask yourself, would I want this baby right now, even if no one gave a shit? <laughs> would I want it if nobody knew? If the excitement, if no one else was going to be excited except for me and my husband, that line of questioning could be a helpful way for you to separate your true desire and level of readiness to have a baby from your envy-fueled desire, which can feel just as real, but it's not the reason we should have a baby. My next question for you, aching auntie, is have you talked with your husband about how you feel? I hope you feel better after talking with me. Um, I always feel better when I admit my freaky thoughts to somebody else that I know and trust and love and who won't judge me. But I think you might feel better if you talk to your husband too. These, this decision that you two made together isn't written in stone, you know. It's a conversation. And when these feelings come up for you, I wonder if they're coming up for him too at all. Whenever I have that feeling about weddings that I mentioned before, when I go to other people's weddings and I'm like struck by, oh, you know what? Maybe I would have, maybe I would have wanted a really big wedding. This looks nice. How nice would it be for everybody to be up there looking at me and loving us, hearing how much we love each other? A lot of this is about ego. When I tell him that, it's nice to have that conversation with him. Maybe he agrees, maybe he disagrees, but he can he can listen to me. He can sit with me in it. He can tell me about what he feels, and that makes me feel a lot less alone. And I wonder what your husband would say if you shared some of this with him. When you check in with him about this, I think you could also use it as an opportunity to excuse me, realign on, realign on your values that helped you make this decision in the first place. Remembering together why you're waiting, if that still feels like the right choice for the both of you. Going back to like why you made this choice, what you want to do together, what you're looking forward to as a couple without children, that could help ease some of the urges you feel about these feelings. A few more tactical things to do about these feelings. One is to, you know, do nothing about them. These feelings are going to be feeling, and I think that if you can expect them to come, if you can just be prepared for them to come and pass, that will help you. Like, when I go to weddings, I know that I'm going to feel that feeling when the bride's walking down the aisle, and I know that it's going to pass, and because of that, I don't need to do anything about it. I just know that it's going to be there, and I know it's going to come. I know it's going to leave. The second thing is that sometimes it feels helpful to join in, join in on the joy, even if that feels counterintuitive. Uh, like, I, we, in sleepaway camp, here's an analogy. Thinking back to sleepaway camp, I don't know if any of you ever went, but I'd be in a bunk with like 20 girls and there are some nights where I'd want to stay up late and I'd be laughing and being the annoying girl in the bunk who was keeping everybody else up. But then there were some nights when I wanted to be quiet and I was exhausted and I wanted to go to bed and I was so annoyed at the other people who were laughing. Joining in on the laughter always made me feel less annoyed. Sometimes joining in is the thing you need to do. Involving yourself in your sister-in-law's pregnancy instead of not even instead of stewing about it privately, but next to stewing about it privately <laughs> could help you. Um, but it's also okay to not be around it. It's also okay to tap out of doing whatever. You don't need to go to every, you don't need to go baby shopping all the time. You can steer the conversation in other directions sometimes. You can tap out whenever you need to. If you have fears about the parents and losing your relationship with them, or just you, you feel that your relationship with them is being threatened, be more intentional about the plans you make with them. Call your mother-in-law more. Invite them over for brunch. Build the relationship with them on the side. Show yourself that you can feel the love and inclusion even when you're not having a major milestone. Um, 
And also feel free to keep like shitting on them in a journal. (laughs) Not that you're shitting on them, but like it's okay to get the gunk out. It's okay to get the gunk out. And a journal is a safe place to do that. A therapist, a trusted friend who's not involved in the situation like myself. It's okay to get the gunk out. My final two cents, for what it's worth, I think it's wise that you are waiting to have a baby until you feel ready (laughs) and that you're really being thoughtful about what it means to be ready for you and for your husband. Sit with this for a while. Get to know this side of yourself, this beautiful contradictory one. Once you accept her and love her and realize that her contradictions are actually what make her an authentic human, I think more of your decisions will start to feel like the right ones. Hello, Hayes. One of my best friends and roommates recently got a boyfriend. She's always been the pretty one of our friend group, and I think all my friends are beautiful in our own ways, myself included, but this particular friend has always received more male attention. I think she could have her pick of any attractive guy in our general vicinity. Her new boyfriend is tall and attractive and seems genuinely sweet. He has a lot of qualities that I wish I could find in a partner myself. Whenever he's at our house, I find myself silently resentful towards him and my roommate. I know this is coming from my own jealousy and desire for a partner, but I don't know how to manage it. I want to feel happy for her. How can I set aside my jealousy? Yours, resentful roommate. (sighs) Beauty is such a complicated motherfucker, especially when beauty is coupled with male validation, which, you know, it often is. (laughs) They are often intertwined. And in different moments of my life, resentful roommate, I wanted beauty above all else. Why did I want beauty? Because I thought that being perceived as beautiful would fix whatever hole was in my heart, which I think is a hole that every living person has. And we all have to be careful. Do I believe this? Am I about to say this? I think I do. I think that we all have a hole in us. And part of our job as humans is to figure out how to fill the hole. And we have to be careful to fill the hole with something that is nourishing and not poisonous. But I have filled my hole with my fair share of poison. And there's a time when I thought that beauty would give me validation and validation would give me happiness. Um, and trust me, I am not holier than thou. (laughs) Well, I don't fixate, I don't fixate on beauty anymore. I certainly fixate on other poisonous metrics of success. Beauty used to be my fixation and I would feel particularly triggered when someone else's beauty would come up in conversation. (sighs) Here's a very specific example. I could be with a group of friends and we could be talking about something and somebody in the group would bring up how beautiful they think somebody else is. She's so skinny. She's so pretty. She's like the prettiest person I've ever seen. And that would feel like a dagger in the heart. And after enough times of that happening, I noticed that part of the reason that felt so painful for me is that I was interpreting that to mean that they don't think I'm pretty. My insecure ass brain would be like, okay, if they would mention that in front of you, they must not think you're pretty or you're at least not as pretty as her. Otherwise they wouldn't say it in front of you. Stupid. No, it's not stupid, Hayes. It's not stupid, Alexandra. It's real. (laughs) And good for you for noticing it. Good for you. Why did I think of that story when reading your letter? I think it was the use of the phrase, the pretty one. We all wanna be known for something. And in a group of friends, especially when you're young, you often wanna be the pretty one. Maybe the smart one, but for most of our youth, the pretty one is the one that we all seem that we all seem to want to be. And I think it's because the pretty one seems to be getting everything they want. And it can feel like there's only room for one person to hold that title. As I've gotten older, I've learned to more deeply believe something that you said in your letter, which is that we're all beautiful. Something else you said in your letter is that you know this is jealousy. It's jealousy because of your desire for a partner. I want to look at the word jealous here. Is it jealousy or is it envy or is it both? 
Because I think the ways to address those two feelings are slightly different in your case. So jealousy. Jealousy is often between three people, and it's when you fear that one person is going to take away something you have with another. Is that coming into play at all? You mentioned that he's been spending time at your apartment. Have you noticed a shift in your friend? Are you spending less time together? (sighs) Because there will be shifts that happen. You know, we talked about this in our episode about single friends and relationship friends. I think it's unrealistic to expect that nothing will change because there's a new person in your best friend and roommate's life now who they're spending time with, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't change to the point where you feel like you two don't bond anymore or you're not spending any personal time together. Ideally, in a healthy transition, when your best friends and roommates and the boyfriend is there, you two are still having your own one-on-one relationship building time. If it is jealousy, I think jealousy can be addressed by being intentional about the time you do spend with your roommate, suggesting plans, making sure that you have nights just the two of you, Um, but also being intentional about inviting the boyfriend to hang in. I think you will feel more in control if you are also suggesting hanging out the three of you. I bet that would make your roommate feel good too. It'll show her, it'll be a sign for her that you wanna be involved. You wanna be a part of their relationship. And then investing time in other relationships, I think will also help ease any jealousy or fear you feel about this friendship. Not because you're like preparing for your best friend to ditch you or to leave you. I have faith that she'll be able to do both. She'll be able to be in a relationship and be present in your friendship. But I always believe that it's good to be planting seeds and spending time with lots of people so that we never feel too dependent on any one person, friend or partner. So those are three things that I would do. Make sure you have good one-on-one time with her, one-on-three time with both of them, and invest in relationships outside of your apartment. Now, addressing the envy, addressing the beauty, addressing the boyfriend, that's a little bit different. Depending on how close you are, what type of relationship you have with this friend, I think you can talk about envy. Just the other day, actually, I was on the phone with one of my friends um, and I told her that I was envious of something that she's experiencing. It wasn't like a, let me sit down and talk about my envy and how debilitating it is because it doesn't actually feel that way. It was just in passing, like this, like I'm, I'm envious of that. Can you actually help me? I need your help, actually. I'm envious of something. And since you're good at this, I would love your help. And it wasn't a big deal. Now, I wouldn't do that with everyone in my life. And I probably, I don't know if I would do it about beauty. I don't know if I'd say to someone, I'm really envious of your beauty. Why I wouldn't do that, that's a good question for me to unpack. I might say to someone, you know, I'm envious of the fact that you don't have any wrinkles. (laughs) What do you do? Is it Botox or are you using a magic cream? I would say something like that. A great way to rid ourselves of the shame and negative feelings associated with envy is just to talk about it. We all feel envy. And actually telling someone that we're envious of something that they have or kind of complimenting them, it's a great way to take to like take the negative take the negative thing that we feel in our chest and transform it into something positive. It's like a gift for them. If someone is super egotistical and like kind of a jackass, maybe you don't want to be feeding their ego. But to a normal friend, on a bad day, it might be nice for them to hear, oh my God, your skin, I'm envious of how bright and beautiful your skin looks. What the fuck are you using? sharing the love with someone actually can make you feel better. So instead of just keeping it all bottled in, tell your friend, I'm so happy that you're happy and I want a relationship too. And I, I'm just, I'm envious of it. I'm envious of it. The next thought is a little bit weird. I hope I say it right. But I think that we put beauty and love on such a pedestal that we forget that people who we think are beautiful and we see have love, we think that they just like have it easy and that they have 
that they, that their life is just like roses and dandelions and smells delicious and everything comes naturally to them. We forget that they have pain too. And while their pain might look different than ours, like they might not be fixated on the problem that we're fixated on, they still have their shit. And I think that engaging in deep conversations about life with friends who are in different stages of life than you, talking about our shared, talking about our shared struggles or the things that keep us up at night can help remind us that we are all on a journey. We are all trying to figure it out. She might have some stuff figured out that you don't. You might have some stuff figured out that she doesn't. I think that having real open conversations with our friends, even the ones who are jealous or envious of, can remind us of our shared humanity. And this, I'm not saying like learn about someone else's trauma so that you know their dirty laundry and you don't put them on a pedestal anymore. But just the more real you can be with your friend about real stuff, you remember them for who they are, not what they have. And I think that that's the key to sustaining a friendship through these through these growing pains. I also think that you can really double down on being your own thing. Like maybe it's having your own personal sense of style. When you notice that people around you have something that you want, that you're envious of, that you're trying to get, reminding myself, if I put myself in your shoes, reminding myself of my own unique power, doing things a little bit differently, it just helps me remember that I'm on my own unique path. So like if everyone in your friend group is wearing black leather jackets, Maybe you don't wear a black leather jacket. Is this analogy tracking? I just think that if you focus on how you can deviate from the path that is your larger social circle, you do something a little bit different, you'll start to feel confident and cool about that thing and less focused on the ways that, you'll be less hurt by the ways that your life looks different from your friend and more proud of the ways that your life looks different. The last piece of this is I don't think you should expect these feelings to go away. None of what I said is gonna make these feelings go away and nothing anyone says is gonna make these feelings go away. It's not about making them go away, it's about managing them. When that feeling comes up, that envious, jealous feeling, whichever one it is, maybe both, you're like, hello, not so nice to see you, but I know what you do. You come in and you try to tell me that I'm not good enough and that my friend's better and that I'm not beautiful and because I'm not beautiful, that's the reason I'm not loved, that I'm never gonna be loved and you know what? You know what though you can do? You can walk that attitude right out the door. Thanks for attempting to enter, but, but you cannot. I'm in control here. You are not in control. You are not in control. These feelings are not in control of you. You're in control of them. And you can notice them, you can greet them, and you can kindly tell them to fuck off. Easier said than done. That's part of what this is, noticing the feelings and exiting them right out. And don't forget to celebrate yourself for your unique gifts because your unique gifts are so much more than beauty and so much more than a boyfriend. So much more than a boyfriend. <laughs>